Welcome back to Truck Tech. It's another Wednesday. We're happy to have you with us today. New show today, new topic that we haven't really talked much about, and that's LIDAR. It is one of those critical enabling technologies for autonomous trucking, as well as all autonomous vehicles. And as we'll find out today, there's a lot of other applications for it as well. Our guest today is going to be Angus Pakula, who is the founder, or excuse me, co-founder and CEO of Ouster Incorporated. Ouster is one of many LIDAR providers, but Ouster appears to be in a pretty good position, albeit with some financial challenges uh, that we'll get into with Angus. And we'll also be visited today by one of our favorites, Sam Abelson-Mead, who follows the LIDAR industry very closely for Guidehouse Insights. Before we get to them today, let's talk a few headlines. Interestingly enough, Volvo Trucks was out today with a, an early read on its first quarter earnings. Those were a surprise, a positive surprise. Volvo had had pushed out the idea that maybe the ongoing supply chain disruption and some of the uh, hangover effect of COVID would dampen first quarter earnings. The opposite seems to be the case. In the preliminary numbers today, they're up quite a bit, and the market reacted very positively. Uh, earlier today, it was trading up 8% uh, for the uh, uh, Sweden-based company. We will find out whether this is just an anomaly or whether there's more to it when we look at the other truck makers, uh, public truck makers, in the coming weeks. We're also looking today at, at some news from Embark Trucks. This isn't happy news at all because the whole Embark story is very sad, and that is, uh, you know, they laid off 70% of their workers uh, from the autonomous truck startup uh, a few weeks ago. Now we find from looking at SEC documents that co-founder Brandon Moak has left the company. Uh, this is sad because Brandon and his co-founder, uh, Alex Rodriguez, have been together since college working on these technologies. Um, the details are inside the SEC documents, not really easy to sort out. But it is a departure that, um, you know, probably a little surprising, but maybe not. I mean, this is a situation we're going to have to keep watching out after. Finally, the American Fish and Research Institute is out today with some new uh, information and a new study on just what driver-facing cameras mean to the, uh, uh, to the industry. Uh, obviously, driver-facing cameras are not popular with drivers. In fact, only about two out of 10 think they're really a good thing. Um, this is something that ATRI, which does a lot of work for the uh, for hire trucking industry uh, and a lot of studies and so forth, um, has decided that this is an important uh, research priority and therefore they have uh, come up with some suggestions for maybe how to make this more palatable to, uh, to the rest of the uh, industry. Um, we are now ready to begin the show and uh, let's welcome Angus Pakala, the co-founder and CEO of Ouster. Um, Angus, before founding Ouster in 2015, was a director of engineering at Quantergy. Uh, started that in 2012 and lasted uh, there or stayed there till 2015. Before that, he was a battery engineer at Amprius. Angus and I first met about five years ago when he was part of a group of ladder companies that was assembled to tell their story to several media here in Michigan. Angus, I don't know if you remember that, but I do and uh, want to welcome you to Truck Tech. Alan, thanks for having me. I definitely remember that event because I think I was there on my own. Uh, just to give you a sense of how early Ouster was, I was there on my own, had rented my own car uh, to demonstrate our technology live. And I remember meeting you there. It was a great event. 
um, but yeah. definitely the early days for ouster. Well, and a, a hat tip to Scott Foscard who put all that together. Uh, Scott was a colleague of mine at General Motors um, a few years before that. And uh, so that was the first time we met. We've talked a number of times since, and it is really good to have you on the show. This is a, a really easy time, and it's not an easy topic these days. You know that. And and uh, I appreciate the fact that you did not push back on the idea that, that we might have some some tough stuff to talk about. Obviously, these are things that have been in your SEC filings and so forth. Um, I, I guess, but before we get into any of that, I'd like you to sort of take the audience who may not be super familiar with LIDAR and how it works. Just a very quick um, layman's description, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I like uh, I like gritty topics. The LIDAR industry is a competitive industry. We've been in this industry for a long time. And to succeed, you got to be able to, to tackle the good and the bad together. So, um, but anyway, so so LIDAR technology, LIDAR stands for light detection and ranging. Um, and it may sound familiar because there are other detection and ranging technologies like sonar, ra- uh, radar, and echolocation even with bats. Um, but basically, LIDAR is the eyes of all modern autonomous machines. Um, LIDAR is a sensor that emits light, bounces it off objects, times how long it takes to return to the sensor, and then can estimate the range to those objects in the environment. And with that information and doing that millions of times a second, sending out these pulses in all directions, there you can build up a 3D sense of the world, um, which allows a machine to navigate. Um, and and those machines could be, you know, m- many, many different forms. So commonly, you know, we're on the show, you talk about robo-trucking, companies like Embark, um, we're using LiDAR to build automated trucks. There's automated robo-taxis. But there are so many other use cases for this because LiDAR is the single best sensor for giving a machine eyes. Um, and so you see some images of automated forklifts, of smart agricultural vehicles, of mining machines, of drones doing inspection, um, there are really just an immense number of applications for the technology. And LiDAR is the key enabling sensing technology for this new wave of automation and autonomy technology. So hopefully that gives a little sense of of the broad reach of LiDAR technology as it emerges as a more affordable um, uh, technology in the space. Well, Angus, it, it it absolutely does that, and I think you know you you sort of gave me the great segue here because you know when you look at the way Ouster is doing business, you're not just focused on automotive. You've picked up really three other areas: robotics and uh, uh, smart infrastructure, and uh, hmm, what's the other one? Uh, uh, industrial to uh, yeah. to work into uh, to work lidar into. So I'd like you to. Sort of tell me, was that always the plan at Auster, or did you sort of say, wait a minute, automotive isn't going to be enough? Yeah, it, it absolutely. From Auster's founding, we've really had two key pillars of the of the company. The first is the digital LiDAR technology that Auster invented and have built our entire business around. Um, we can get into the details of that digital LiDAR technology later if you if you want. Um, but the second was diversification. <clears throat> so diversification into four key verticals, automotive, industrial, smart infrastructure, and robotics. And we're actually able, you know, the reason that we've diversified is not because automotive is not enough, um, but really because of two things. First, there's a much broader opportunity and an opportunity to build a bigger, healthier, faster growing business by diversifying into these four industries. And that's 
the the reason that that market exists is because of what I what I explained earlier. LiDAR is a key enabling technology of autonomy and automation, broadly speaking, for any type of big, powerful machine. It doesn't just have to be a trap, a truck, or a car. It can be a mining machine. It can be a combined harvester, and it can be an automated forklift or a drone. All of those machines benefit from LiDAR technology or are enabled in the very first place from getting the eyesight from a LiDAR sensor. Um, so a bigger market that's faster growing and diversified builds a stronger, healthier company. Um, and, you know, Ouster is one of the largest LiDAR companies in the world and fastest growing as a result of that diversification. Um, but, but in order to pursue that diversified approach, it actually comes back to that digital technology that we founded the company on. Um, we intentionally built a technology that we felt could serve multiple markets. And um, and digital technology, traditionally, if you look across other industries, digital technology, allow it, it plays across markets um, because it's more affordable and it's more performant. And that's really what we're offering with digital LiDAR sensors, more affordable, right. more capable sensors. Um, and so that's enabled this whole diversification strategy. Very good. You know, competition is fierce on LiDAR. Earlier today, Ouster sued uh, Shanghai China-based Heisai over patent infringement. Now, I don't want to make light of this. It's a very serious case. But it seems that legal squabbles kind of come in the LiDAR space. I mean, you know, at one point, uh, Velodyne, which is now part of uh, uh, part of Ouster, uh, you know, sued and and apparently prevailed against Heisai. Uh, Velodyne actually sued you before it merged with you. So it seems that these things come up from time to time. I'm not sure that there's a, a reason for that or there's a, a way to describe it or explain it. But for this discussion, let's just say you're the surviving name for two one-time significant players among dozens that are in the LiDAR space. Merger with Velodyne, I presume, did put some pressure on an already challenged balance sheet at Elster. Um, I wrote about some of this last week in Truck Tech in the newsletter, and you're certainly not alone. And I don't want to single you out here either uh, in terms of facing financial challenges among tech startups. So, so maybe tell us how's the Velodyne absorption going at this point? Well, I actually think I mean, there's there's challenges growing any kind of highly competitive hardware business, um, and lidar is 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 not different, and Ouster is is no different um, uh, th than many other industries in that respect, but. I would say that the the merger with Velodyne has put Ouster in an extremely strong position um, for, for a number of reasons. The first is just the financial underpinnings of the business. Um, as a result of the merger with Velodyne, um, at the end of last year, the combined companies had over $315 million in cash on the balance sheets of the combined companies. We now have over 850 customers worldwide, spanning 50 countries. Um, we've shipped over 90,000 sensors worldwide. Um, so we have an ex a significantly expanded customer base, a, an expanded product portfolio, and a significantly ex uh, strengthened balance sheet um, that are the result of this merger. Um, and now we're on a path to reducing our costs through up to 75 million, actually more than 75 million in cost synergies by combining the two companies, which gives us all of the financial kind of backing and and um, and health that we need to continue growing the business and being uh, you know one of the major players in in the industry, and that really is is different than where many of these um, lidar companies are right now. Most lidar companies are um, in a much less secure financial position, 
um, and also have de minimis revenue um, with negative gross margins, which is absolutely not the case for Ouster. Ouster now has strong positive margins on on the the the, the digital ladder products that we sell, um, and again, growing revenue. We did forty one million in revenue as as a single entity last year. So. Um, I think we're on the right track and we, we really have distinguished ourselves with this merger. Um, but, uh, but we have work to do on the synergy side. Sure. Well, and I won't ask you about product overlap because I think you sort of addressed that. I had it as a question, but you, you answered it. So let me ask you though, you yeah, did mention well, I, in your 10K. I would say there, oh, no, it's, sorry, it's, it's <laughs> uh, on the product overlap. It's much less about product technology overlap and more about cost, building your customer base. The merger allows us to build a bigger customer base and whether customers use ouster products or velodyne products is not something that i have to dictate um this is giving customers the option and building a bigger overall revenue base for the company and i think you told me that the velodyne name does continue our products or will they eventually become all ouster products how, how are you doing that yeah well they the the surviving name is ouster the name of the company is still ouster right. Um, the Velodyne products are still marketed under the Velodyne brand, um, but there are no new products that are being released under that brand. Gotcha. Okay. So as long as, long as there are, are relevant applications, then they will be out there. Um, you mentioned in your 10K, uh, Angus, that that among the business risks, and I, there's a lot of them that are boilerplate, I know that, but you did say that other players are better capitalized. Now, I, I will not guess at who you're talking about. I think I know. But uh, how big, a, how concerning is your share price? Uh, and I realize you can have pretty good underlying financials, but the market still may not like you. I mean, looked earlier today, forty-seven and a half cents a share, and a market cap of one hundred eighty-six million. It sounds like you may have twice as much cash practically on hand, or did have anyway, as as your market cap. Again, you're not alone, but maybe you can walk me through what that means to Alster. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't um, spend too much time looking at the ten K language. You know there there are potential concerns, business risks that that have to be filed, and and that are you know potential risks in any 10k filing. Um, I think that Ouster is in a strong financial position, but that doesn't mean that I'm happy with the stock price. You know our our shareholder base has felt immense pain over the last year from a declining share uh, share price, and, um, and we have to correct that. Um, and I think there's been some near-term volatility because we just announced a 10 to 1 stock split um, uh, as well. And so there is some, there there's market uncertainty around just the general outlook for Ouster. But I would highlight that what we have put forward with the merger shows that we can be a financial, financially secure, strong and growing company with a strong balance sheet um, through the cash that we have on hand and the synergies that we've identified and that we are on track to complete by the end of this year. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, you said 10 to 1. I think you mean 1 for 10, right? I mean, the reverse... Uh, oh, excuse me, reverse 10. 10. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that I've gotten that wrong myself. So I've, I've been corrected out once or twice. I'm not trying to correct you. I just, I, I know that the board had the ability to do either a, a 1 for 5 or 1 for 10. We wrote that last week, and apparently that's, that's happened. I haven't looked at your filings today to see, but apparently that's underway. Do you, uh, do, you know, there's other levers that companies are pulling right now. It, it, it can be at the market. It can be a lot of things, you know, to, to raise uh, capital. Are you in a position of needing to do that? Do you think you have enough to keep the business on track right now? Yeah, we're, we're really focused on taking advantage of the merger and the company that we have um, today. 
Um, and that, that really, the cash is now combined between the two companies. It's a strong balance sheet, and we need to make the most of it through the cost synergies that we've identified. So as part of the merger, we announced that we had identified $75 million worth of synergies between the two companies that we could pull out of the combined entity. We are on track to do that. As of as of the, the Q4 earnings that we had uh, last month, we said that we were on track already with over 50 million of that 75 million in synergies and that we were looking to expand upon or beat that 75 million dollar number so um we really want to put ouster in a position um where without further cash influx uh we we're on a, a strong path of growth um towards you know with an eye on profitability um and that is really very different um well it, it importantly allows our stock price to um it, it, we don't want to have more dilution in the stock or anything like that. Um, we don't need to do that, um, which sets us apart from many of the latter companies in this space that are facing kind of a cash crunch in the next year. All right. We're going to we're gonna talk about that in just a moment when we bring in Sam Albasamid. I know you know Sam and he knows you. So uh, the three of us will have at least one question together. Um, I want to ask one more question there. You, you seem to indicate, I just want to pin you down on this a little further, you seem to indicate that you've got enough to go for what another year, two years. You know, what kind of runway do you feel you have at this point um, through the merger and through the synergies that you can get? I presume that means a lower cash burn, but you'd have to tell me that. Yeah, I mean, this is all about hitting the synergies. Again, we have the resources on hand. Um, as long as we hit the synergies and beat the synergies that that we've outlined, um, we're in an incredibly strong cash position. But the market hasn't seen that yet, right? Um, and that's one of the problems with the stock as it exists today. And it's something that I understand. We have to show that we can save the money that we've said and beat the the seventy five million in synergies. And with that, we Alster will be in a very secure uh, uh, position, and we'll have lots of flexibility on how we manage our assets going forward. Okay. Well, that's a that they used to call that on ESPN the Budweiser hot seat. So I'm gonna let you off that for just a moment. Um, but I'm going to bring Sam on uh, in with us now. Sam, if you can come on in here. Um, great to have you back. I uh, enjoy it. I'm always more relaxed when you're on the show for some reason, because I know you have forgotten more than I'll ever know about most of these topics. So I, I really appreciate having you here. And Angus is with us as well. Really just one question. I'd like you, Sam, if you would, to sort of give us your take on the LIDAR space. It's very crowded. And it has been very crowded, and maybe it's growing less so. Maybe you can take us through that. Yeah, uh, as you said, it it has been it has been more crowded in the past. It's getting it's starting to get less crowded, and I think it will get significantly less crowded over the next mm, two, three, maybe four years. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few companies that are in a very tight position, and will probably end up um, going away uh, before before much longer. Uh, that said. You know, we're also right at the point where LIDAR is really starting to gain some some traction. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, companies like Ouster have had, a lo- you know, some significant success in the non-automotive market. Uh, and we're starting to get some serious traction in the automotive market as well. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen um, GM uh, recently release some details on their upcoming Ultra Cruise system later this year. Um, last week at the New York Auto Show, Kia showed off their new EV9 which will have uh, a an optional um, driving assist system that features uh, LiDAR sensors on there. 
Um, there's a, a lot of vehicles, quite a few vehicles in the Chinese market with uh, various LiDAR sensors, Volvo and Polestar bringing LiDAR uh, later this year. So um, we're, we're just at the stage where, you know, in the next 24 months, we're going to see quite a few new vehicles offering uh, LiDAR equipped uh, driver assist and partially automated driving systems. All right. And those are, and that, of course, gets to the car space and the, the passenger vehicle space. Can you quickly bring us up to speed on what you see in the truck area? I know a little bit here, but I'd like to hear if you've been watching that as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the truck area um, is having some challenges. You know, obviously, you talked about Embark earlier. Um, also, um, Waymo seems to be pulling back on their automated trucking efforts. You know, sounds like a lot of their uh, recent layoffs, most of their 200 layoffs that they had uh, earlier this year were in their uh, Waymo Via group. Um, and sounds like they're focusing more on their light duty uh, applications right now. Um, Aurora, uh, you know, which is another one of the, the leading players, in, at least in terms of their technology development, um, is they're facing a cash crunch as well. Um, uh, uh, you know, and, and I think there are quite a few others. One, one interesting player that is, you know, seemingly coming out of almost nowhere is Gaddock. Uh, you know, they're more in a medium duty, uh, space and, um, they're focused on middle mile delivery. And, you know, they just recently announced a deal with Kroger, uh, you know, another, another customer for them. Uh, they're actually planning to almost double their staff by the end of this year. Uh, so they seem to be having some actual success. Uh, one of the few in that, in the trucking segment. Right. Well, and I, I know that, uh, you know, one of the examples, uh, uh, Angus, back to you, and we didn't really talk about it, your, your suit today, both in, in Delaware and with the ITC, uh, seeking to stop Hayside. I mean, you know, one of their customers is Kodiak. It's very, very apparent on their trucks, um, you know, right now, including the fifth generation uh, uh, system that they showed last week. Uh, did you want very quickly to comment on this, on the suit and on this, on this banner? I kind of went through it and then didn't give you a chance to say anything. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, um, SI is actually, this, this is a, now a trend. Um, this isn't the first lawsuit that's been brought against SI, specifically Velodyne previously a couple of years ago brought a suit against SI and settled out of court. And that resulted in um, ongoing payments from SI to Velodyne for the products that that um, Velodyne had uh, claimed infringement over. <clears throat> and now, here we are with Ouster um, having filed today uh, with the ITC claiming infringement on our core digital LiDAR technology. Um, and this is covering the majority of the Hasai products. This is really spurred by um, you know, the, the infringement that we saw in combination with recent public information in Hasai's prospectus before they went IPO and as well as information they put out around CES showing their kind of intensified uh, uh, interest in Ouster's core digital LiDAR roadmap. Um, and uh, we felt that, you know, we had no choice at this point, but to file this, uh, this case with the ITC. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so this is, this is a big step that we had to take. Okay, Angus, I've got about a minute left here. I want to I want to get you out of here on this. I you heard Sam's description of what's happening with lidar. Uh, do, are you buying it? Is that uh, how you see it from the automotive side? Because that's really what he addressed. I, I mean, I absolutely agree that lidar is starting to be adopted within automotive, and I think generally that the 
you know, LIDAR is and adoption is contingent on broader systems and, you know, machine learning and algorithms and testing being ready in these in these systems that have adopted LIDAR. And that's taken the better part of five, five years for many of these companies that Sam mentioned to get to a point where we can start deploying it. GM with the Ultra Cruise system. Good example. They announced that system years ago, um, but it's only through years of testing that now they're they're really on the cusp of deploying it at scale. So we see that in automotive and we see that very broadly across our diversified set of customers in industrial smart infrastructure and robotics. So I think the future is incredibly bright for LiDAR adoption, and that goes back to why there's so much competition in the space is because we are on the cusp of something extremely big. Right. We're going to leave it there, guys. Great. I'm glad you agreed, by the way, because I would hate to have, you know, fights break out on on the show. Um, I thought it was pretty clear you were going to, by the way. So, Sam and Angus, thank you both for being here. Folks, next week on Truck Tech, our scheduled guest is Aurora Innovation co-founder and CEO Chris Urmson. Uh, We've not talked with Chris before, so that ought to be um, pretty interesting. And, of course, Aurora has been making some news lately, and uh, we'll actually have a story uh, tomorrow on some advances that they've got uh, coming up on the uh, on the autonomous terminal uh, side of things. This Friday in the Truck Tech Newsletter, we'll look at preventive maintenance for autonomous trucks. We will see everybody next week. Thank you very much for being here.